Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. I want you to direct your attention to the screen for a moment. I want you to see that picture. The principal's office. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I do not have a lot of personal experience in the principal's office. Now, notice I said a lot of. Not saying I never was in the principal's office, but some of you, at least some of the people that I knew back in my high school days, spent a lot more time there than I did. It's not a fun place to be necessarily, But this morning, I'm going to start our message, my message, the message that I believe God would speak to you. I want to tell you the story of two principals. Principal Smith, and then going back to my Polish roots, I called the other principal, Principal Kowalski. Now, I thought about calling him Zegazewski or Shabilski, neither of which I can spell, so I chose to call him Principal Kowalski because I could spell that one. It was a large high school. They had multiple principals. Maybe in the school you went to, you had deans, but these principals were the ones that the students needed to go and visit if there was an issue, a disciplinary issue. Now, both of these principals had reputations in the school. You know what the principals are like. And, to be honest, one of these principals, students were more inclined to want to go and see if they were being disciplined than the other. Let me tell you about the two principals, because today, as I describe them, you're going to find out how a student felt in their office. How did the student feel? in Principal Smith's office, or how did the student feel in Principal Kowalski's office? Let's talk about Principal Smith first. When you walked into Principal Smith's office, you knew that he was just and that he was going to dole out, if necessary, a just punishment. Principal Smith focused on the rules. You don't break the rules, young man. And when you were in there, you felt like when he was engaging with you that he was doing what he felt was best for the school's image or his image. You also felt that maybe he was concerned about how the board was going to be viewing him. When you went to see Principal Smith, you felt judged. You broke the rules. If you do the crime, be prepared to what? Do the time in detention. That was the attitude that Principal Smith had. You could also feel maybe his anger. You knew he was angry with you for what you did and that he was going to punish you. However, if you were sent to Principal Kowalski, you also knew that he was just and that there was probably going to be just punishment. But it was interesting, as you sat in his office across from his desk, there was this sense that, of patience, 
that he was patient with you. And you even felt some kindness. You felt that he was concerned about you as a person, as a student. He was concerned about your future. He was concerned about you maybe being successful. You actually felt in Principal Kowalski's office that some of what he was doing and saying was to help you to succeed, something you didn't feel in Principal Smith's office. Yes, you broke the rules, and there was going to probably be some detention involved, but when you were in Principal Kowalski's office, you never got the sense that everything he was doing was more about the school's image or his image or how the board might feel. And usually you left Principal Kowalski's office feeling hopeful and sometimes even feeling affirmed. Now, former students and current students, I want to ask you a question. Which of these two principals would you prefer to get sent to? And virtually all of us, hopefully all of us, unless there's some masochism here, would want to go to see Principal Kowalski. And I'm going to refer to this illustration off and on throughout my message. But I want you to think about two principles and how you would feel if you went to their office. Today is part two of a series that I'm teaching called Unimaginable Love. Note sheet. And prayer sheet was available in the lobby. Hopefully you picked one up. If not, they'll be there after service for you. We're talking about the love that God has for us as people. It's a powerful kind of love that the Greek New Testament calls agape. It is one of four different Greek words for love. This week I'm not going to talk about those words. We're going to focus strictly on agape. And if you want to, listen to it online, the message from last week. Last week, when I introduced the concept of agape, I really painted a broad picture, a large picture to help you to understand God's love. Today, we're going to get very practical, we're going to get very detailed, we're going to get very specific, and I'm excited about teaching this part of the message today. God was the one who defined what love looks like. And tonight, this, this week, I hope we're going to get a more complete picture. What we're going to talk about is not everything about agape love, but we're going to discover more about this wonderful love of God. First thing is last week, we spoke about it. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. God is, that word love, agape. God is this thing that we're studying. Everything we're going to look at, God is. One verse for, um, from uh, John 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, for this is how God agaped the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. In this, just this one verse, we see so many aspects of what agape looks like. Now God chose this word but he did more than choose the Greek word agape. Agape had been used in the Greek language before, but God chose to redefine this word. God chose to expand on this word. God took this word and made it his. Nowadays, in the church, in modern Greek, when we talk about agape, it has one place. In the church, this is God's love. This is what, how God loves, what it is like. 
Last week, there was a statement from Reverend Rick Renner, and it's also in your book, or in your notes, excuse me. And I want you to just take a look at it, either on the screen or in your notes. The human race was so precious to God, and he loved man so deeply that his heart was stirred to reach out and do something to save him. God's love drove him to action. You see, agape loves so profoundly that it knows no limits or boundaries in how far, wide, high, and deep it will go to show that love to its recipients. We, as the people of God, have received this from God because God knew no limits in what he would do to reach us. If necessary, agape love will even sacrifice itself for the sake of the object or the person it so deeply loves. God is love. God is agape. Now, please stay with me for this point because it's very important. When you understand this love, when you understand that this is the character of God, when you understand that and begin to respond to it, it will change you. It will change how you'll respond to God. When you see God's love spelled out, and if it's spelled out, this is what God is, because God is agape, it will make a difference in how you relate to him. You see, how we understand who God is impacts how we approach God. Let's go back to our two principles. The students understood the two principles. And they walked into their offices based on their understanding. When they walked into Principal Smith's office, I don't know, Zach, if you had any um, encounters in Principal's office in your day. No, okay, so maybe we should talk about Michaela then and how much time she spends there. But, but Zach, if you, if you went to Principal Smith's office, if you were sent there, I'm sure you'd go in with a chip on your shoulders, your arms crossed, because you knew the guy, he just focused on the rules, he was concerned about how he might look to the board, he was, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do the crime, you're gonna do the time, so you know you're gonna do the time, and you're gonna probably get yelled at a little bit if, 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 if it was a yeller, and, and when you came out, you're gonna feel judged. So you walk into Principal Smith's office one way. But let's just say Principal Smith was busy with your sister. <laughs> so uh, you had to go over to Principal Kowalski's office. You're going to walk in that office differently because either you've had some encounters with him or you know other students that have, and you know that, yeah, you're going to probably spend some time in detention. But you know he's patient. And there's a level of kindness. And he's interested in you and wants you to be successful. You're not going to walk in like this. You're going to walk in and you're going to interrelate with this principle in a way that ultimately is for your good. And when you walk out, you're going to walk out feeling hopeful and hopefully affirmed. Different than how you'd walk out of Principal Smith's office. So, let's find out a little bit more about agape. Last week, just briefly, I talked about four aspects of agape love. Agape is, first of all, giving, sacrificial, firm, could be called steadfast, it's immovable, you can count on it, and it's free, it's unearned. You cannot earn the love of God. 
God's love is free and it is available to all. It's giving. For God so loved the world that he, God so agape the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave sacrificially his one and only son. Last week we talked about that you can count on it. It is firm. It is steadfast. What can separate us from the love of Christ? And we went through that Romans passage. And we realize that God's love is free. You cannot earn it. And there is nothing you can do today that can cause God to love you any more. Nor is there anything you can do today that will cause God to love you any less. God is love. It is his character. It is his nature. So, what else can we find out about God's incredible love for us? Well, God, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, took a man by the name of Paul, and Paul penned some words. The words are captured in our Bible in a, in a book called Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and it is in a chapter that is somewhat familiar to all of us, 1 Corinthians 13. The passage itself may have been read at a wedding that you recently attended or someone else did. But 1 Corinthians 13 is called the love chapter. We could probably call it the agape chapter because the word in 1 Corinthians 13 is agape. So let's take a look at verses 4 on through verse number 8. And what I've done is where the passage said love is this. I've changed it to agape. Now remember, God is agape. So it, we're going to read it. Agape is, but we can also say God is these things. So let's take a look at the passage, and then I'm going to talk about some of these words. I can't talk about all of them. We don't have enough time, but I'm going to talk about some. Agape is patient and kind. Agape is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Uh, other translations say it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of being wronged. And it, keeps, uh, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Agape never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance, agape will last forever, or some translations say agape never fails. This is what God is. So we're going to take a few of these words this morning, and I'm going to talk about them to help you to understand a little bit of the nuances from the Greek language. Not that I am a Greek scholar, but I happen to read books by people who are. So... Coming up on the screen are some of these words. First of all, agape, or God, is patient. Patient. Now, this Greek word means not just patience, like we're sitting, waiting for, you know, um, your kids to finish playing their video games so we can eat. It's not that at all. It's, it's a much deeper sense of the word patience. The Greek word patience means the patient restraint of anger. The patient restraint of anger. God, being agape, is restraining his anger. He's patiently restraining his anger. Agape waits until a person finally comes around, makes progress, 
changes or hears what is being communicated or taught. It is a picture of someone who doesn't easily give up or bow out. God does not easily give up or bow out of a relationship with any of us. If we are away from him, if we are apart from him, he's not giving up on us. This morning I was playing some music on our, um, on our uh, Google device at home, and uh, the song came up, Your Love Never Fails, Never Gives Up. Your love never fails, it never gives up. Never, I can't think of the words I was singing. What, what is it? Never what? Runs out. It doesn't easily give up or bow out. Agape. They keep going and going and going even if the other person doesn't quickly respond to them. And personally, I'm so thankful that God has been patient. Second Peter Peter wrote this to the church in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. What was the promise that Peter was talking about? Jesus splitting the sky, coming back, taking his church off of planet Earth, and finally judging it. That's the promise. That's what God is not being slow about. That's what God is being patient. God is being patient because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Some of you have been waiting for the rapture since you've been born again. I have. I figured it, had, it would have happened by now, and here I just keep getting a little older and a little grayer and a little fatter and a lot of things. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I got an amen on that one over here. Don't, don't forget, folks, remember those amens and things? That's raw meat to a junkyard dog, and you got a junkyard dog up here this morning. <laughs> but then when I think about people in my family people that I know, people in my neighborhood, I'm glad that God is patient and he is restraining his anger because he wants none, no one, to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. And then agape is kind, kind. The Greek word translated kind means a willingness to serve and to change in order to meet the needs of others. It's completely the opposite of selfishness and self-centeredness. Kindness is always focused on the other's needs. When I was talking about the principles, remember one principle was focused on his need and the other principle was focused on the student's need. Kindness, agape, is always focused on the other person. Look at what Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? The NIV and the New King James say it similar to this. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. To repentance. It is the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. It is not the harshness of the Lord that leads to repentance. It is not the judgment of the Lord that leads to repentance. The Bible says it is his kindness. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. I'm glad God is kind and patient. He's not jealous. The NIV and the King James, New King James, used the words does not envy, and that's actually a better translation than not jealous. Because the Greek word translated envy or jealous is the word which portrays, now this is the portrayal of the word, a person who is radically consumed with his own desires or plans. 
A person who is radically consumed with his own desires or plans. But agape, God, is not this way. He is always looking outward. He is always thinking of others rather than himself. And he is committed to seeing his people blessed and successful. He is patient. He is kind. He is not jealous or he does not envy. He's not boastful or proud. When you think about these character qualities, isn't it great that we get to serve a God like this? Isn't it great that we get to be a part of his family? Isn't it great that we get to receive this free and undeserved love? Kind, not jealous, not boastful, not proud, not rude. Does not demand its own way. Not irritable or not easily angered. Uh, The NIV says, or not provoked. The New King James Version said, not irritable. Keeps no record of being wronged. Does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices in the truth. This is our God, because he is agape. Everything that you see in this passage is agape. The Old Testament says it this way in Psalm 103. Coming up on the screen. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. What was agape? Agape is slow to anger. Filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse you nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sin as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Agape is patient and kind, not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of being wrong. It says he's not keeping records of our wrongs. He doesn't punish us as we deserve. Does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. I love these next few. Agape never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. God never gives up on you. He never loses faith in you. Oh, how often have I lost faith in myself? God never loses faith in me. And God is always hopeful to me, but I want us to go broader. Who's that family member you're praying for? Who's that son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, brother, sister, mom, dad, grandmother, grandfather that you have been praying for? Who's that close friend that you know doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And I'll tell you what, there are times that you almost just want to give up in praying, but God never gives up. He never loses faith. He is always helpful. He endures through every circumstance. Love lasts. Agape lasts forever. Agape never fails. This is God, our Father. This is Jesus, the Son of God. This is the Holy Spirit who lives in each and every one of us who has received the gift of eternal life. And now I just want to go back. 
Isn't this the kind of God you want to approach? Isn't this the kind of God you want to come to with your depression and your problems and your stresses? I wanted to come to this God when I had blown it in my rejoicing, when I was frustrated with customer service, when I was frustrated that things weren't going well. I wanted to come to a God who is patient and kind, not envious and continued to believe in me. And when I have done wrong, when I have lost my temper, spoken inappropriately. This is the kind of God I want to stand before. But see, if you believe God is harsh and vindictive, he's only concerned about rules and you towing the line, you're not eager to stand before God like that. If you believe God is harsh and vindictive, you're not eager to stand before a God like this. And it's unfortunate because this is the common picture of God. A God who is over there ready to strike you with lightning or, or maggots or hemorrhoids or whatever when you don't toe the line. But that's not the Bible picture. Agape. God is love. God is agape. He's patient and kind. He's not easily angered. He doesn't keep uh, an account of all your wrongs. He has faith. He never gives up. But it's sad to me, sad to me, how many people still approach God as if he's vindictive, as if he's desiring to be hurtful, as if he can't wait to zap you, that he's just hiding, watching, to say, gotcha! God is patient, God is kind, God is not jealous or boastful or proud. God is not rude, nor does he demand his own way. God is not irritable or easily angered. God does not keep records of our forgiven wrongs. He does not rejoice in evil, but rejoices in the truth. He never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. God endures through every circumstance. and God is forever. He never fails. This is our God. But then comes the question, well, but what about? What about God's anger and wrath? For those of us who have read our Bibles, we find that there are times where God, his anger and wrath destroyed entire civilizations. We see at the end of all times that God's wrath is going to burn up planet Earth. He's going to cast people into a place called the lake of fire. Wait a minute. You just told this agape picture of God. Where does that come from? And so this is the teaching part of the message. The first, I'm hoping to inspire you, to help you to understand God, to help you get this picture. But now we're going to teach a little bit. So in your notes, I've got four points, and we're going to go through these quickly. First of all, coming up on the screen, what about God's anger and wrath? You need to know, you need to understand, there is no separation between God's agape and his anger. God's anger and wrath are always fueled by and expressed through agape. When you read in the Old Testament where God had to pour judgment on, say, Sodom and Gomorrah, or even on the nation of Israel, when he sent them to Babylon, where some of them died in rebellion, all of that, all of that anger that was expressed is expressed through 
fueled by and expressed through the fact that he's agape. God cannot be anything but love. And so when God has to respond to mankind in this way, it is always fueled by and expressed through agape. He can't do anything apart from who he is. Number two, God withholds at times. That means he would withhold things from us. But what he withholds is always expressed through agape. If you've been praying to God for something and he has not opened the doors for that or brought it your way, his agape is withholding it from you at this time because he knows that it's going to be better for you to either wait to receive it or he has something else planned. Don't think that God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God isn't working in your life because something has been withheld. No, he still loves you. In fact, his withholding of that thing is part of his character of agape. It's part of his love. There's no separation between God's agape and his anger. And when God withholds, he's withholding, and that withholding is an expression of his agape. Number three, when God blesses, it is always a blessing expressed through agape. So when you receive blessings of God, it's because it's being expressed through his agape. And sometimes the blessing may be a little different than what you thought. But when God blesses, it's always a blessing expressed through agape. And number four, God has rules and commandments. Violating them is sin. But the rules and commandments are always created and expressed through Agape. When God says, be honest with one another, don't defraud one another, don't take advantage of one another sexually, don't act this way, don't act that way, love your neighbor as yourself. Everything that God has given us as a, a rule, God's rules and commandments, violating them is sin. But know that every single rule, every single commandment are always created and expressed through agape. And so when you violate one of those rules, you are actually going against God's love for you, what he says is best for you. Even the just punishment for our sins was expressed through agape. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's go back to our principles for a moment. Did Principal Kowalski ever have to expel a student? Principal Kowalski, kind and loving and your best interest involved, and you leave his office hopeful, and you leave his office affirmed. Did Principal Kowalski ever have to expel a student? Yes. When a student refuses to do what was best for themselves or other students, he had to expel them. He was not only responsible for that student, but for the hundreds of others in the building. Was law enforcement ever called to remove a student and have that student jailed? Yes, Principal Kowalski had to do that also. Each time it was done with a heavy heart and after a time of being patient and kind and hopeful with that student, please understand, when God has had to judge the world, he didn't do it vindictively. He did it with a broken heart. When Sodom and Gomorrah received the just consequences for their lifestyle, God wasn't in heaven going, yeah, it's about time. 
he was breaking, his heart was breaking, but it was necessary at that time because through his agape, he knew that those cities must be judged. When God finally pours his wrath upon the earth, God is patient with us, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to knowledge of the truth. But there will come a time when the earth will be judged, and it will be judged fully through his agape. And my personal belief is his heart is going to break when he has to finally burn this planet and those who would not choose to receive his free gift of salvation and eternal life. See, Principal Kowalski had to do those things, but each time it was done with a heavy heart. Now, now, Principal Smith, he expelled students too, and he called law enforcement too, and when he did it, he did it with glee. Ah, he'd call law enforcement, that student is out of the school, and he would tell his assistant or his secretary, man, I'm so glad we got rid of that Glowaki kid. My life is going to be so much easier. He did with glee. He was finally cleaning the scum out of his school, and he was delighted he would never have to deal with that student again. Now, I want to I say that no illustration can ever fully capture the character of God and the love that God and Jesus have for us. But I hope this one helps. The principles help a little bit for you to understand God's love for you and me as well as the Scripture. As the team makes their way back to the platform, I just want to ask you at home and you that are in the building, if you've not fully given your life freely to Jesus, if you have not asked for and received his free gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of your sins, would you consider doing that this week or even today? Maybe you were of the impression that it, you couldn't do this because God was mad at you, or maybe you were of the impression that you had to get your life back together before you could approach God. No, you approach God as you are. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His love for you is as strong right now it is, as it has ever been. It's not going to diminish even if you're in the middle of living horrendously. Even if this morning you've been apart from God, are apart from God. He loves you. He loves you. And for those of us who are facing 2021, facing whatever it's going to bring, God is agape. And everything which he will bring into your life, everything which he will allow into your life, every discipline which you may deserve will always flow through a heart of agape. God loves you. God is agape. He loves you, and there's nothing you can do to change that. My prayer for us this morning is that somehow we would seek to and begin to understand his love more. Through what I have preached through, as you begin to read the scripture, as you begin to read the New Testament, and you see the love of God, and you find out that almost every time that love is mentioned in conjunction with God, it is always agape. It is never any of the other types of love in the New Testament. It's always agape. When you see that, that's going to give you a picture of who God is. He's giving. He's sacrificial. His love is steadfast. It is firm. It is free. It is free. It is free. And when you begin to understand this, 
It will impact the way you view him, approach him, and respond to him. It saddens me as a pastor how many people that I still talk to, not so much within churches that I pastor, but people out in the community whose concept of God, they may even be a churchgoer, whose concept of God is not the Bible's concept, is not agape, but he's just wanting to get back at them. And, oh, I want to help them to change that. Well, maybe you tuned in. I don't know who you might be, but you had that concept. I hope this morning that that concept of God will begin to lessen and lessen as the concept of God being agape and loving you rises more in your heart. Let's pray for a second and the team's going to lead us in a song. Lord, Lord, help us to understand. Through this message, through the scripture, help us to understand the love that you have for us. Oh God, may we May we fully understand that you are patient and kind. That you are not envious or boastful or proud or rude when you deal with us. You don't demand your own way with us. You're not easily angered or irritable. You keep no record of being wronged, even though we have wronged you so much, Lord God. You don't rejoice about any injustice. You rejoice whenever the truth wins out. Lord, you never give up. You never lose faith. You're always hopeful. You endure through every circumstance. And you never fail. You last forever. Help us to comprehend and grab onto that. This day, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church family, would you stand? Those of you at home, you may want to stand in your living room or wherever you're at. Let's begin to remind ourselves about the love of God. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.